Welcome to Whiskey with Great Drums. Today we speak to Callum Fraser, the master blender for the famous grouse. He'll be taking us through his career highlights so far and tells us what it is to be a master blender. We'll also have our Whiskey of the Weeks and your questions. And as ever, just get in touch with us if you've got any questions and we will try our best to answer them. Enjoy. News this week. Um, three interesting things have popped into the inbox. Uh, the Glenlivet's distillery doors are finally back open, which is great news um, for anyone looking to go and get their distillery on. Uh, something that I've been looking forward to doing since all this, this chaos of COVID uh, kicked off. Uh, so hopefully be getting up there soon. Um, and they've actually renovated the entire brand home at the Glenlivet distillery, uh, refurbished the whole experience. And so it sounds like they've got some really cool things going on. Uh, you've got hand-filled bottlings. They've returned to the distillery after a few years of being absent, despite the kit still being in place, which was mightily frustrating for years. Rare tastings. And also, if uh, you can remember a couple of years ago, they did a, uh, a cocktail capsule collection where the cocktails were in, well, they looked like those fairy liquid tabs um, that you'd, uh, you'd put into, is it fairy that are in the washing machine? Yeah, and uh, those kind of liquid tab things. Um, but they had amazing cocktails in them, so you can actually get to try them at the distillery now, which is really cool. And you can also do some product personalization. They've sent us some photos uh, of the new distillery experience, and I have to say it does look really, really cool. Elsewhere, Ardbeg have committed um, to uh, launch another committee release, and that came out last week. Uh, eight years old, Ardbeg, and it's actually called For Discussion. Um, so it's a, a very interesting, weird and wonderful uh, committee release, um, but it's about being a big, youthful whiskey, and uh, I'm sure by the time this goes out, it'll probably have sold out anyway, but uh, I wanted to make sure you were all aware of it. And then finally, Berry Brothers and Rudd, the ancient um, wine merchants in London, have announced they are relaunching their spirits range. Um, and that will be, I think it's relaunched probably the day after this goes live, which is pretty helpful. Uh, so using their heritage and spirits expertise, uh, they've actually created a, a 2021 summer uh, release schedule, a whole new bottle design, and it's uh, it actually looks really quite interesting. The labels change as you go up the tiers uh, within the range, so you get the appropriate uh, information level for uh, the whiskey that you're buying, really. And so, uh, yeah, very intrigued to actually see one of those hands-on and see uh, see what they've done with the brand properly. But the images, again, they look fantastic. Good detail, solid storytelling, and uh, a nice bespoke bottle as well. Who doesn't love one of them? Cool. If you have any other uh, news from the whiskey world that you want to get in touch with us with, please always do send it in, greg at greatdrams.com, and I'll look to feature it where we can. Welcome to our podcast, Callum. Uh, Callum Fraser is the master blender for the famous Grouse, a blended Scotch brand, which I believe one measure in Scotland sells every six seconds, if that's correct. Yeah, that sounds a bit right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Callum, tell us how you've managed to work your way through the whiskey industry uh, to become the, uh, the, the master blender of the famous Grouse. 
Okay, well, well, first of all, uh, Greg, Kirsty, thanks, thanks for having me on. Real, real honour to be asked to to join your newly established podcast. Um, so yeah, so in the whisky industry, I've been in the whisky industry nearly ten and a half years now. Um, way back in two thousand eleven, I joined after after finishing up university. Um, with a quite a scientific back uh, background, I think to be honest, when I was at university. I didn't imagine I'd end up working within the, the fantastic world of whiskey. I think I was more aim, aiming towards the pharmaceutical um, sector. Um, but as circumstances made it and fate, uh, I ended up within uh, working uh, within the whiskey industry and joining Diageo in early 2011, uh, working as part of their fantastic blending team. Um, so even at that stage, I was very, very privileged to, to work alongside Jim Beveridge, Mm. Um, he's uh, one of the best names for whiskey isn't he he does yeah so as many people know him as the, the master blender for for johnny walker um, and i also got to work alongside uh, maureen robinson and caroline martin who probably are very much unsung heroes within the industry i think mm. a lot of people know them but probably other people aren't aware of them but they were fantastic mentors to me as well so during my time in the azure i got the opportunity to to work alongside some fantastic stocks there and was involved in a lot of recipe work and innovation work for for some of the brands most notably johnny walker and um, getting to work next to jim was a a real privilege in that time so got a lot of exposure to whiskies up and down scotland some that were closed obviously some that were still in existence but just you know, building up experience of nosing samples upon samples upon samples from new make through to mature through to, you know, the business end when we're starting to blend and bottle. So but basically building up a, a, an extensive whiskey library of knowledge within within my within my brain, um, which certainly was a great platform and a great exposure to me for, for entering the whiskey industry. And I was there for about five years working in the Azure, mainly within blending, but also got an opportunity for about one year to work in within production. So managing a warehousing site, the, the Black Grange warehousing site, which holds about six million casks. So it was a, it was a fantastic opportunity to, to work with a really engaged workforce there that were involved with the, the task of taking taking empty casts, filling them with new make spirit and then putting them into warehouse for five, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, it's starting the journey of maturation. And then they we're also involved with pulling casks out um, ready for disgorging to start to form the blends on scale ahead of bottling as well. So that that, that was uh, cool. very different very different from working in the blending room, but you know, just to get that operational production experience and all the challenges and benefits of that it was it was a really fruitful year for me i bet wow. did you ever get to a point where you're just walking around that site and you just get lost that is a <laughs> hell of a lot of cast i think you definitely I would. get lost oh, even though yeah. not lost in terms of not finding your way home but more just lost in the magic of the uh -huh. flavors the different cast types i'm guessing there's loads of different casts from bourbon sherry but then also the experimental and, and niche ones all over the place yeah, I mean, the site itself, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to go there, but it's it is huge. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long drive through, especially, obviously, you've, you've got to adhere to, to the kind of reduced speed limits as well. So it can take you a good 15, 20 minutes to get from one side of the site to the other. So it's, it was a huge site. And like you say, within the warehouses, you had, you know, young whiskey or 
spirit that wasn't even whiskey. It was just maturing away, but then potentially the, the tier above it, you could have stocked in the 1980s or 1970s, you know, so it was just fantastic. And, the, the, you know, the, the, the aromas that hit you when you enter a warehouse, just fantastic as well. I missed them. So, 15 months now since I've been to a, a warehouse and it's, it's absolutely killing me. Uh, yeah. distillery tool. Uh, the, the sounds, the smells, even the heat from the stills, the people, obviously the juice, but the, <laughs> the tasting room. Yeah, the tasting room's all right. Yeah, <laughs> the, all, all of it, the sensorial kind of blast yeah. you get. I think the first time we go back to one will be quite magical. Yeah, well, yeah, um, probably quite emotional. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're fortunate. Um, uh, in the famous Grouse Splendid Room, we, we are right across the road from one of our warehousing sites, our whiskey supply function, but there's warehousing there. So, we, you know, whenever we need our uh, kind of those of just getting that mm. <laughs> array of aromas fresh from a cast, we can just walk over and we just get that blast of a flavour, flavour and character coming right at us. Amazing. And did you ever get to kind of, uh, you know, do some impromptu cask sampling as uh, head of the, the kind of warehouse complex? Not really, no, no. Oh. We were very, very much governed by duty uh, rules, so no, we, we didn't do any sampling, although we did have a team that sampled for the blending. Yeah. Um, blending team that I'd obviously left um, so but not not for any not not for any personal gain in my operational role that would not have been the done thing to do. They sent you to the warehouse complex to dry out is that one? <laughs> perhaps perhaps I, I thought more as a development opportunity but maybe that was a real reason you never know. Because oh, right. was it your next role where I met you then? at that fabulous Kaylee in the warehouse in the Glenlivet distillery memory center. It was yes yeah, so that was about 2016 that uh, the the opportunity arose to join um the Shivas blending team. So that that you know that was a that was a great opportunity when it arose that gave me the, the chance to work with a, again another fantastic portfolio of whiskies and also from a, a a blending point of view getting to work for um Sandy Hislop who uh, I know you I know you yourselves know and I think most of the, the whiskey industry knows as well the director of blending and inventory for Shivas. So who's uh, when I met him, but it was I think he just approached thirty years within the industry, but obviously now it's thirty five plus I think. So yeah, I mean a man that's got a great passion, great knowledge for whiskey. It's got, uh, an infectious enthusiasm as well. So it was a real joy uh, to work work for him. I also got the opportunity to work alongside Kevin Bamford as well, who's who's one of the, the blenders, um the Chevis blender as well there and he's I think he's now got probably close to 25 years experience as well so it's just a great opportunity to Amazing. to again be exposed to a great sense of aromas um, from all the, the new make distillates and, and and obviously get the opportunity to see what they were like as mature spirits as uh, mature whiskies as well before creating blends as well so and, and the ethos in terms of blending was quite different as well from Diageo so again for me from a you know building my understanding um, and expertise that you know it was a great great opportunity to move there as well mm. no, fair play. I never forget that moment that you walked up to me in that warehouse while we were watching I can't even remember the band now in my head I think it's Scarivore or something but I cannot remember um, Scarivore yep it was right yeah excellent and I remember you uh, asking me initially just uh, introducing yourself very politely and everything and then uh, started the football conversation and then I noticed you look inside your jacket to a cheat sheet, which had a photo of me and then talking points on it. Uh, that the PR guys had issued you and uh, it always made me laugh. 
<laughs> when I never realized they did that until then. But it's, uh, yeah. why not? Right? It's, it keeps, keeps it relevant. I tried them all, but I should have been a wee bit more stealth than that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. I had that in my pocket. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I clocked it. Um, but, oh, happy days. But, yeah, so, I, so from out of those two, before we talk about where your, your current role and what you're up to, what would be some of the, the kind of bottles or releases you're most proud of, I guess, from your Diageo days and then uh, your uh, your Glenlivet Pernod Ricard days? Yeah, I think I think from the from the Diageo days, Johnny Walker, you know, that does have a quite a special place in my heart because I I I was I grew up. Sorry, my my early years were in Kilmarnock. I'm a Kilmarnock boy, born and bred. So. Um, Johnny Walker obviously has tremendous roots uh, within Kilmarnock, so getting to work um, alongside next to that brand was very special for me, and getting to work on some innovation next to Jim for that was also an absolute joy as well. So the, the Explorers Club collection, the Spice Road, uh, Gold Route, Royal Route, etc., working, working on those alongside Jim was a real privilege to do, and, I really love those liquids as well. You know, some were a bit more peaty in character, some were a bit more richer in character, but just the just the fabulous liquids um, that you know I'm very proud to have been a part of there, um, which um, you know was great to see on a shelf when I was travelling through an airport because they were duty free exclusives as well. Uh, and then more towards the kind of higher price point end of it, uh, working on the private collection uh, was. A great joy as well. That that's where you go. It was more like a kid in a candy store moment. It was one-off batches. You you Is weren't having John to worry Walker about. Ones? Yeah, John Walker and Sons oh. Private Collection. And um, so that I think I think I think it's now stopped. I think they did 2014 to to uh, 2018. If my memory serves me right. Four or five, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so you of the first one in the the blue bottle. I think it was. Um, yes, yeah, all long gone now. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I got to work on the first three, and it, it was it was as I said, it was you know one off batch. You weren't having to work, worry about sustainability. You know, making mm. sure that you can make batch after batch after batch. So it gave you the opportunity to delve into the rare stocks, um, whiskies that were very unique in character, but some that were from closed distilleries as well, and um, just to you know build up layers of complexity you know, um, as part of the character study, because the private collection was partly about a character study, you know, breaking apart the Johnny Walker uh, DNA and focusing on, I think for the first one, if I remember right, it was about the kind of smoke. Yes. Uh, the, the second one was about fruitiness. Um, and then the, the, the last one that I worked on anyway was more about looking at the, the beautiful characters, more delicate characters of green whiskey as well. So it was... You know, it was just fantastic. A real, a real delight. Um, um, probably the envy of many getting to work on those kind of special whiskies. Oh, brilliant! Well, thanks for taking us through some of that. It was. Um, um, so now about your current role, what is it to be the master blender? What do you do day to day? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously being the master blender for various services is a real privilege to me. I mean, it's. Um, mm -hmm. Scotland's number one whiskey and has been for 40 years so 
Um, it's been it's been in existence for I think this year's 125 years of the famous grouse uh, since Matthew Glow created it in 1896. So, oh, yeah, a limited edition. Say, what are you going to do to celebrate that? <laughs> yeah, we we have a few things that I can't really talk about just now, but there'll be a few things towards the end of the year that will be new to the the, the range. Um, that's all I can say. I don't, I don't want to get a, a phone call from from my boss. <laughs> um, so. Uh, but yeah, so so basically every day I, I'm aware that we've got 125 years of legacy um, of a very successful brand that's obviously known across the world. So I need to make sure that every day I come in that I am not going to have any detrimental impact on that legacy. But on a on a day to day basis, as I'm sure you've been told by other blenders, there's, there's no typical day to day. Every day is very different. Um, essentially, we could be within the team looking at new make spirit. So making sure that any any spirit that we receive from our own distilleries within Edrington or or from our, the our grain distilleries or our third party uh, new make distillates that we trade with others that come in, we, we need to make sure that they are all of the right quality um, before they've even entered a cask. So that's something that we could be doing on a daily basis. We could also be reviewing uh, the casks that we're bringing in. We, we bring in uh, sherry casks from Spain that are either American oak or European oak and also uh, bourbon barrels um, mm -hmm. barrels that previously held bourbon that have come over from America so we could be checking them before they're filled as well we could also be creating blends working on trials uh, and reviewing those and we also are involved with um, signing off any bottling batches as well so across, even across the, the supply chain we could have very different challenges each and every day um, as part of my role, I, I work as part of the, the Famous Grouse brand team, so I, I will link in every day pretty much with our, our marketeers and brand team colleagues as well, just to make sure from an educational piece that anything that's about to be released is true to the ethos of the whiskey making process. And also, as, I, as I've alluded to, we, we are working on some innovations as well, so just helping support any material for that as well. Mm. And also get the pleasure of talking to the likes of yourselves as well on a, a reasonably regular basis as well, just to to spread the spread the good word, uh, sorry, the good word about uh, the famous grouse and hopefully whiskey blending in general. To be honest, yeah. So you talked about the 125 year uh, legacy that you're responsible for, and and how do you maintain that consistency against uh, across the spirit across the blends? Because it's such it is such a skill, isn't it? And obviously, it's taking you. Um, what you say, 10 and a half years you've been in the industry to build that up. So how do you do that on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, the, the bread and butter of it is making sure that we essentially knows each and every kind of almost starting point of the blends. So as, as I mentioned, it's all about when you're receiving anything into your inventory, you, you, you know that, you know, that, mm -hmm. um, and, and make sure that comparing it to the reference of what we've accepted in the previous year, that it stands up and as it provides the same flavour profile as the last batch that we received in. Um, so that that's almost at the point just before it, anything's about to be filled, you know, new make going into the cask, etc. cetera. Um, thinking, you know, you know, three, five years ahead, et cetera, it's about making sure that we've got strong relationships with our you know, our suppliers, whether it be our own distilleries, whether whether it be third-party distilleries, and also our cooperages. That that's a very important part. Obviously, the the cask itself makes up a, a you know 
60-70% of the final flavour in a mature whisky. So having those real strong connections uh, and almost auditing processes with our suppliers in America or Spain as well uh, you know, are the critical parts to make sure that you're getting the right characters and flavours. Um, but when we come to the kind of business end of the process, when we're um, starting to formulate uh, the famous grouse blend to make sure that the famous grouse finest, for example, is flavoured is the same as the last batch, we will have a very meticulous uh, quality control process. We know each and every cask before we release it to be disgorged to create a blend. Um, and we also, once it's been blended, there's a few proce process steps after that. And we, we will nose and have a taste of the, the whiskey at those steps as well. So that that is, you know, from a quality control perspective, we don't leave any stone unturned. We're very meticulous. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, safeguarding and ensuring that the flavour profile is the same batch to batch for the for the famous grouse finest or the famous grouse smoky black. It's exactly the same uh, attention to detail that we have. And how do you actually log references? Because as you've taken over from Gordon Motion, for example, so from a a reference spirit or cask or or whatever you're you're kind of um, making sure you build that consistency on. Are there kind of trigger points or specific notes that you have to do like is it your personal opinion on it or is there more of a, a kind of standardized way of uh, capturing the flavor and nose of these samples yeah so we retain we retain samples from previous years so that that would be our reference point or actual physical sample in the glass to make sure that when we're nosing the famous grouse for example i, I always get like a fresh fruit you know almost the uh, poached pear note coming through and then uh, you start to get the rich kind of cinnamon sherry notes coming through as well so that that's everyone has their own you know flavor uh, vocabulary as such but in terms of making sure that we are consistent with previous batches we do retain samples from previous batches in previous years as well to make sure that that is our reference point but in terms of nosing, we do we do have it's not it's not just about myself. Um, we we do have a team of others. We have a team of six at Great Western Road, so we all, you know, link in with each other and make sure that from a making sure that everyone's confident point of view and comfortable point of view that we all have a have a view on 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 new make on mature spirit on mature whiskey. Sorry, as well. And did Gordon give you any pearls of advice when he handed the baton over, or was it simply don't screw it up? Yeah, pretty much. That's probably that <laughs> comment, was it? Yeah, yeah. I looked after it from 115 to 120, 125 years, Callum. Over to you now. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I mean, Gordon still uh, still works um, within the same sample room as me in Glasgow. He's obviously more uh, responsible for Highland Park now. So, but, I, you know, I find Gordon really easy to work with. So he's very supportive. So if I have any, any questions, again, it's another person that uh, I, I greatly value his expertise because he's been, he's been in the industry for again I think probably 20-25 years so you know he's got loads of knowledge for me to, to extract from him that hopefully will help me because even though I'm very privileged to be called a master blender I, I still consider myself I'm still in my 30s relatively young so I, I, I've still got loads of learning to go I think every day is a school day for, for somebody working within a blending team within our industry I don't think you're ever fully fully maxed out in terms of knowledge so yeah. that's fair and one of the things that always well that often comes up when we're doing live events with people is they come over and 
either they're looking for gifts for someone or it's themselves and they say you know what single malts have you got and they totally like don't want to know about the blends and you know foolishly just discard it straight away and we always try and introduce the blends that we've got on offer how do you go about that when you met with somebody that has already discarded malts and uh, blends sorry in their head yeah it's a, it's a great question Kirsty I think within our industry and as you know uh, probably 90 percent of the the media coverage, social media, uh, magazines, etc., is dedicated to single malts yet. In reality, from a sales point of view, you flip it on its head, 90% of sales within the whisk industry is blends. And I think I think people forget that, how important blends are to making people aware of Scotch whisky and how great it is. Uh, for me, I mean, you know, I, I like single malts. I'm not, I'm, I would never, I would never say I don't like single malts. I think, you know, across, you know, there's a great range of characters across the distilleries within Scotland. But, but for me, whenever I'm talking about a blended Scotch whisky within the glass, you know, here, I've got the famous grouse here, for example, within the bottle of famous grouse, a single malt has, has whisky that's essentially come off one still at one distillery. Um, yes, it's been matured in different cast types potentially for different periods of time, but within a, a blend, you, you are, you know, within Famous Grouse, we, we, we are dealing with whiskies from 20, 30 different distilleries and, you know, within this within this single glass here. So you've just got an array of different flavours within the one glass that a single malt perhaps, in my opinion, doesn't have that diversity of character. Uh, and also within a blend, the, the blender can obviously play with the style, play with the recipe to make it perhaps a bit more accessible, versatile to, to a consumer as well mm. across the world. So for, for me, what a, a blend gives, you know, is diversity of character. And one example um, I use, you know, there's a lot of people uh, within within whiskey circles that love Isla whiskies for their real peatiness. But it's, it's quite a, what I call a Marmite kind of character. People either absolutely love it or really don't like it. Whereas we, we have, within Famous Crowds, developed Smoky Black, which for me, I always call is the bridge point. You know, it's got the intensity of Isla character, yet it's got that great array of different flavours, fruitiness, sweetness, richness, vanilla notes, etc. that a blend has. So it's almost a great point for you know, blend drinkers, typical blend drinkers and a single malt drinker to meet in the middle. And I think you get the best of both worlds there. And without having, in this, you know, this example, without having the, a blended Scotch whiskey, you wouldn't have that opportunity to bring two sets of people together. So so for me, I think blends are still largely underrated. But like I say, they, they, it's amazing to say they're underrated when they, they sell the vast proportion of Scotch whiskey across the world. How they drink and what they like, they would, I know from the people, some of the people we've met, they would definitely um, include more blends in their mm. collection. But I think that sometimes just in their own heads, it's, it's leave themselves away well. from it. Folks yeah. think it's, it's about the single malts and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, it's probably the same with age statements as well. You know, people, you know, I, I, I do understand, especially when you maybe want to buy a gift, it's easy to correlate an age to quality but you know for for me as a blender I would always say that not having the shackles of time just is a great joy because you can go you know you can go high you know you can go to higher ages and blend it with maybe relatively lower ages and the combinations you get are fantastic I think as well so that that's probably one of the great misconceptions as well is that age equals quality you know it's not not always the case yeah yeah 
and we i mean we found that through our own range to be mm. fair we did um our blend batch number two last year february last year um it was i mean, not the oldest in the world but we blended a 14 year old north british i think it was with a seven year old knock do mm. and the result was wonderful mm. and then we released the seven year old knock do a year like when it ticked over to be eight years old and um and that was absolutely phenomenal and then we've just got the double gold at San Fran for a nine-year-old when oh. you know, people would think in 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 other kind of parts of the industry you'd only want to talk about 25 plus it's like well actually the caption on the, the little thing that you get sent uh, details with it says one of the finest products in the world at nine years old cheers boys yeah Thanks. yeah and even the the Ben five-year-old that I've tried from your range you know yeah. and you're quite proud to put the age statement on that you know that was a great advert um for how good a a younger whiskey as people would call it you know how fantastic it can be as long as you get the and that going back to my point the new mate distillate at the time needs to be spot on needs to be exactly what you want and the other part of the puzzle the cast needs to be it needs to be of the right uh, activity so that when you get to five years old and in the case of your release that you've got a very mature whiskey with lots of character and complexity yeah, Mr. Motion actually once said to me when I visited what is now your uh, blending room, room 109, right? It's, it's still 106. 106. 106. Um, it's in my head as well. Maybe that maybe the number fell down on that. I'm joking. Um, the uh, it, when I visited there in I think it was 2015, um, it was the last time I was up. Um, he said to me, You can put amazing spirit in average wood and you'll get an average whiskey. You can put average spirit in amazing wood and you'll get some really good whiskey. So the wood always being a massive, massive factor. Absolutely. I mean, for, for us um, within the famous Krause and obviously part of the Edrington group as well, we we have a huge bias towards using sherry casks. And it can, if, again, particularly with sherry casks, in, in my opinion, if, if you don't have a real focus on the quality of, the provenance of your wood, whether you know, Amer- you know the the forest that you're either getting it in Europe or America, mm. the heat treatment to toast the casks, and also the the right sherry to season the cask once you've toasted. If you don't get those three elements right, provenance, uh, heat treatment, and seasoning, then you're not you know you you're, you're not going to get the delivery uh, when you're maturing your whiskey. So we 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 have a huge focus um, on on our sherry casks, even even having people that work for our company based in Spain, which, you know, is relatively unusual within our industry to have people on the ground in Spain auditing our suppliers to make sure that we are getting the right quality so that we know when those casks come over to Scotland that we are getting, you know, the rich uh, cinnamon notes in our European oak cherry cask, but the more citrus vanilla notes uh, coming through in our American oak cherry cask, because in the famous grouse, we don't just use cherry cask, we use a set amount of European oak sherry casks and a set amount of American oak sherry casks to get that right balance of richness within within the final blend. Awesome. So I was wondering, speaking of age, it's very rare to see a very old famous grouse release, isn't it? There's not really any age statements. I know there used to be, and there was a 1987 bottling, if memory serves, that was released a while back. I think I have one upstairs, actually. Um, but do you, And there was one that was co-branded for the Glasgow 2014 games, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
but is older age statements in the grouse kind of line and innovation not really a priority or is it focusing on doing good and doing good well um regardless of age yeah just exploring the different flavors and characters that we have within our within our warehouses within our inventory and uh, regardless of age we want to just showcase those flavors and characters so we're going back to the uh, what i mentioned earlier you know personally as a whiskey blender i don't want to be kind of constrained by the age of our stocks mm. um and definitely the brand team kind of support that you know as a, as a whole that you know let, let's go and showcase the fantastic flavors that we have within our stocks to to the consumer hopefully in the years to come awesome and can i just ask one final question from me how long did it take when you got that offer for this job for you to change your ringtone to the do do do, 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 do. it must have been instant surely yeah yeah it's, it was a quick search to get it <laughs> <laughs> and how sorry follow up on that have you actually played on so if i know it's at the glen turret distillery back then um when that was part of the brand home of grouse but um, I'm assuming it's been moved and maintained. Have you played on that life-size keyboard where you can actually play the tune by tapping your feet on it? Not quite yet. No, I think I think I need to master how I play my guitar before I start to move on to other <laughs> instruments. To be honest, yeah. Although I, I do, I, yeah, we do, I do have uh, Gilbert watching over me. The Gilbert from Glen Turret that uh, you probably saw. He, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, so he 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 watches in my window every day just to check that I'm. Uh, doing my job properly oh good wise very wise <laughs> brilliant happy days any other questions for me? no thank okay. you awesome well callum thank you so so yeah. much for your time today it has been a true pleasure uh chatting through your career your thoughts on whiskey and how how you uh how you go about um masterfully being the master blender for the famous grouse so thank you very much no problem no it's a pleasure thanks for thanks for inviting me on Absolutely. Fair. And my whiskey of the week this week is the Balconies, the baby blue corn whiskey. Now this one, um, just looking at the bottle gives me such great memories. It was one of the first whiskeys that we tried um, back in, was it 2012? I think it was about yeah. that, yeah. Um, at the Whiskey Live, the first Whiskey Live we'd ever been to when we didn't really know what whiskey shows were about and we actually won the tickets um, to get to go. And I remember being there and the brand reps were talking us through the corn whiskey and um, it was just a really great experience and something that was quite different because for me it had always been about barley and the production of whiskey because I only really knew about Scotch whiskey and about Irish whiskey. So to try this corn whiskey for me was something really different um, and straight away this one I open a point into the glass it's really creamy on the nose for me loads of really lovely caramel notes on there and I actually expect it to be a lot almost thicker the spirit but when you try it it's really refreshing really light a lovely level of oil on there as well and just on the finish it's quite sweet and really soft so a really nice easy drink in this one um, and really just brings back some really great memories for me as well yeah, and likewise, that was a great show, wasn't mm. it? I, do you remember that picture of me outside in that check shirt in the rain holding up about six bags of bottles of whiskey? I know. We spent a fortune, including sinking 250 quid on that Gervin 30-year-old, is it, or 25-year-old mm. batch one launch edition. Yeah, and then we had to go meet our friends, or my friends, I was introducing you to them for an Indian meal in central London. Oh. I remember getting to the restaurant 
Yeah, I remember ordering champagne at the restaurant. I do not remember that bit. And then, then it all goes a bit hazy. That was before our responsible drinking days. And the policies that we now have in yeah. place. <laughs> Indeed. Um, that's a great memory. Good choice. Um, and so my one is, uh, my whiskey of the week this week is from the Isle of Raze, uh, Hebridean single malt Scotch whiskey. Uh, you've probably seen it on our Instagram uh, a little bit recently because they've just released their new bottles. And frankly, it is for me one of the most beautifully designed whiskey bottles there is. Marginally biased because I was involved uh, with the creation of the, uh, the whiskey brand for them. But at the same time, the end result is just incredible. Um, the, what's interesting here is that they have two distinct distillations or distillates. They have the peated one and the unpeated one, each then filled into Bordeaux red wine casks, chinkapin oak casks and rye whiskey casks. So no bourbon and no sherry casks here whatsoever. And so unpeated goes into each of them, the rye, chinkapin and Bordeaux. And then the peated goes into a different set of rye, chinkapin and Bordeaux. And then they're matured together. So you get this from peated and unpeated maturing together. What do you get? Lightly peated um, uh, single malt Scotch whiskey from the Isle of Raze. Um, and so might as well have a little try. And... For me, that is that the nose is just so inviting. It has got that lightly peated note, super, super fruity, coming from the Bordeaux cast mostly, I'd have said. You get that nice kind of wine character, but then also the funky kind of spiciness from rye as well. Um, but overall, all about those rich, dark fruits uh, that come through the entire thing. And then on the palate, Mm. smooth nice sweetness there but at the same time has those dark fruits that richness that texture that gorgeous lightly peated flavor profile and um, but super clean really really easy drinking um so yeah very very happy with that one and our question this week a really interesting one actually so somebody said i have a bottle of whiskey and it says it's a 10 year old blend However, I've heard that there's 17-year-old components in it. Why don't they call it a 17-year-old whiskey? Well, it's, and it is a great question. One that I don't think many whiskey drinkers understand, um, to be perfectly honest, because it's never really communicated to them. But the age on any bottle, be it a single malt or a blend, is the uh, age of the youngest component in that bottle. So when it comes to blends more so, and then single malts would be kind of really heavily engineered uh, to be... 10 years and a day when it's bottled, so if it's their core range. For blends, you get a much more of a balance of flavor using older whiskies and younger whiskies and then kind of mid-age whiskies kind of put together and mellowed out so that their flavor profiles intertwine and become harmonious. So whatever's in the actual bottle, legally, you can only ever say the youngest component age. And it dates back to when um, blenders many, many moons ago used to call their whiskies a 25-year-old if it had a teaspoon of 25 years whiskey in it. But they put it the other way and enshrined it into Scotch law that you can't do that at all. And now it's Whiskey of the Week time. This week I have chosen one from the Yorkshire Single Malt Whiskey Distillery. Um, this one is the Filey Bay and it's the STR finish. Now they've sent us um, a lovely press uh, box um, or with all the description in here and it takes you their slogan at the minute is from field to bottle 
and it is a really beautiful little setup really um, and I've chosen their STR finish which is where they have shaved, toasted and recharred red wine casks um, and we all know I think by now that I like a, a cask finish particularly my sherry and red wine finishes so this one instantly uh, jumped out to me um, and it's it is that whole obviously as well I do like a smoky whiskey as well so that recharring of the barrel I really do get the toasted oak note on this one it's delicious um, but really is still quite light fruity um, lots of raspberries blackberries on this one for me um, and it is a really lovely dram the colour on it as well is really good and I've just really enjoyed it I didn't really know much about this distillery um, so it's really nice to, to hear something new and not too far away from us as well. So hopefully one day we'll be able to pop over there. I know, it'd be lovely to go and see them, especially uh, Joe, their master distiller over there, mm. Joe Clark. Really, really nice guy. We uh, we met each other actually when I did that Isla tour. Do you remember when I had to sleep on a ship because there was oh, no yeah. availability on the island? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he's been doing wonders up there. So uh, congrats to him on another fine release from their fine range as well. And so for my uh, whiskey of the week, uh, mine's from Speyside, and it's actually from the Boutique Whiskey Company, and they have released a Macallan 29-year-old um, batch 13. So that was pretty cool um, to uh, get a just a small sample from uh, the Drinks by the Dram uh, releases, and I haven't actually had a Macallan since. I did our old and rare session with Point and Whiskey Club uh, a few months ago. And so I kind of felt like I should crack into this and try it. On the nose, you instantly get that beautiful um, ancient space-side note. It's really hard to describe. It's almost somewhere between dusty, mm. a bit of light smokiness, but not a smoky whiskey at all. Um, but then super fruity as well. It's definitely the dust, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, the, the kind of pineapple and tropical notes there are wondrous. Um, really, really, really fruity, more than I expected. And a subtle herbaceous note to it as well, uh, just kind of carrying through on the nose. But on the palate, mm, on the palate, relatively sweet, but still got that dusty wisdom, as weird as it sounds to explain. But you can tell it's a really aged whiskey one that has an immense amount of body actually the finish is going on and on that is not something that's going to leave me for a while uh, quite oaky quite quite creamy and a bit, bit waxy as well on the texture but overall the fruitiness coming through on that and the ease of drinking is just sublime as always boutique whiskey company have knocked that right out of the park well done chaps and that's our whiskeys for the week. Happy days. Cheers. So thanks again for listening today and thank you to Callum. Hope you enjoyed hearing about his journey uh, to Master Blender. And that's not only the end of the show, but it is indeed the end of the season. Thank you very much to all of our guests, all of our amazing listeners, all of those who have got in touch with questions, thoughts, and any kind of love and support. We truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. We're going to take a break over the summer and we are going to be back hopefully around September time with an all new format and a whole new way of thinking about podcasting. Um, so yeah, until then, have an awesome summer. Let's hope there's some sunshine 
and keep dramming responsibly responsibly <laughs>